Bill Case pulled up to the Aurora, Texas Cemetery in the spring of 1973. The UFO investigator had been here before. He just never found what he was looking for. Information could be hard to come by in Aurora, but recently, one of Bill's contacts smuggled a message out of a hospital. Written by an 89-year-old patient, it began. You're looking at the wrong grave. It also included directions. Bill stalked through the gates of the cemetery and made his way to the southern quadrant. His eyes were peeled for a gnarled 200-year-old oak tree. Finally, he found it in the oldest section of the cemetery. A roughly hewn triangular slab of stone sat underneath its branches. Etched into the stone surface was an image, a long, thin oval surrounding three circles. It almost looked like a submarine, with three portholes running down the side. But Bill knew better. It was a UFO, and the stone marked the grave of the spaceship's alien pilot. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our first episode on the Aurora UFO incident. According to a report by the Mutual UFO Network, dozens of eyewitnesses reportedly saw a spaceship crash down in a small Texas town in 1897. Over a hundred years later, the case still fascinates ufologists and journalists alike. This time, we'll discuss what allegedly happened that day in 1897 and examine the impact it had on the town in the years following. Then, we'll investigate some mysterious ailments that plagued residents decades after the crash. Next episode, we'll follow the investigation that made the Aurora UFO incident famous. And we'll discuss how, even today, researchers continue to find new evidence that's difficult to explain away. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Aurora, Texas has always been a small town. But when it was first established in 1882, it was part of a big vision. Surveyors made plans for a train line to stop in town on its way across Texas. The railroad promised to drive tourism, boost local businesses, and put Aurora on the map in more ways than one. But before it could be finished, the town encountered one hardship after another. First, there were the crops. In the early 1880s, Aurora's farmers overplanted and overworked the land they used to grow cotton, a major source of income for the town. As the soil lost its potency and eroded away, harvests suffered, and so did the economy. Then, an infestation of beetles destroyed the few cotton plants they had. Then, there was the fire. On a gusty day in the mid-1880s, a blaze broke out that obliterated the entire western portion of the city. Businesses burned to the ground, destroying Aurora's economic center. Then, in 1889, spotted fever swept across the town. As the outbreak spread, citizens fled. Townspeople moved to nearby municipalities, and Aurora practically emptied out overnight. Those who remained clung to the hope that the incoming railroad would restore prosperity and a sense of normalcy to the town. Then, after a drawn-out, intensive survey process, interest in the project mysteriously disappeared. In 1891, a new train station opened in neighboring Rome, Texas, instead. Without the railroad to bring in new visitors, the town felt forgotten. But in 1897, something changed. Aurora became a part of the national story in a way no one expected. Around 6 a.m. on April 17th, the farmers of Aurora looked up from their fields to see a strange craft hovering through the sky. At first, it appeared to be one of the airships that had been spotted all across the country in recent months. It looked like a giant silver flying cigar with a bright white light attached to it. But there was something off. It wasn't the smooth gliding craft described in those other reports. Plumes of smoke billowed in its wake as the craft charted a route across the sky. Moving north, it flew over Jim Stevens' property, about three miles from the town center. Jim had been bringing the cows out from the barn when he noticed the airship sputtering over his farm, heading toward Aurora's main square. Then the ship's altitude dropped suddenly and veered toward Judge J.S. Proctor's farm. Jim watched in horror as it struck Proctor's windmill and broke into pieces. Fiery shards of spaceship slammed to the ground all around the Proctor farm. The windmill toppled in the collision, sending even more chunks of metal into the air as it fell. The judge's property was in shambles, his flower garden destroyed. Metal impaled trees across the backyard. Molten shards pierced the earth and embedded themselves into nearby rocks. Word of the crash spread quickly across town. 
Citizens rushed over to the farm to see the crash for themselves. Only then could residents start to reckon with what happened. The smoke cleared, the dust settled, and the citizens of Aurora moved in to pick through the wreckage. Tossing hot pieces of scrap metal aside, they searched for clues that might explain the disaster. And then they found something. The pilot of the spacecraft. Half buried in the wreckage, the body had been mostly destroyed on impact. Still, they could tell they weren't the inventor of an experiment gone awry, nor a government agent testing out top-secret technology. They were small and disfigured, about half the size of an average adult human. But what stood out most was, even after the impact severed some of their limbs and scattered them across the area, they had more arms and legs than they should, if they were human. Up next, the town buries the alien pilot. They're role models, nurturers, and to many, the ultimate best friend. But what happens when Mommy Dearest has a dark side, one that's more criminal than caring? Find out in the Spotify original from Parcast, Malicious Moms. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson, host of Malicious Moms. Every Sunday on Spotify, join me for a closer look at the moms who took their maternal instincts to illegal extremes. A beloved actress who would do anything for her child. A jilted ex who used her kids to take deadly revenge. Plus, a wife, a mistress, and an altercation with an axe you have to hear to believe. In this ParCast collection, learn the dire lengths some women went to help their children and how others used motherhood to carry out their misdeeds. Sometimes true crime can be a real mother. Follow Malicious Moms free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now back to the story. In 1897, the town of Aurora, Texas, was still reeling from decades of misfortune. In short order, a fire, a plague, and commercial ruin brought the little village to the edge of extinction. They couldn't endure another tragedy. Then, on April 17th, the town awoke to a thunderous explosion. A cigar-shaped spaceship collided with a windmill at Judge J.S. Proctor's farm. Digging through the debris, the townspeople found the pilot's body. Though the crash left them maimed, 
an army official examined the corpse and concluded that the body was extraterrestrial. Along with the body, citizens found a bizarre notebook in the wreckage. It was filled with pages of strange hieroglyphics written in a language no one recognized. The ship's composition only further mystified locals. It was an aluminum alloy mixed with iron that likely weighed several tons. That combination should have been too heavy to fly without wings or propellers, but it had neither. Not to mention, it would have been extremely expensive to produce. Everything seemed like definitive proof that alien life had visited Earth 50 years before the infamous Roswell incident. And yet, news of what happened in Aurora didn't travel very far. This was likely due to the fact that the incident was part of a larger trend sweeping the nation, the airship wave of 1897. As we briefly mentioned, reports of strange flying crafts had been streaming in from concerned Americans for months. The stories varied. Some saw strange lights passing overhead. Others described silvery aircraft with wings and still others reported a flying cylindrical object in the shape of a cigar. No one was sure if it was the same ship or many. Reports started in California, but by spring of 1897, the sightings had spread across the Midwest and into the Plain States, like Illinois, Missouri, and Nebraska. In such a saturated news cycle, it was hard for one event to stand out. Even though, Aurora wasn't like the other sightings. Where other towns and cities allegedly witnessed mysterious ships floating overhead before disappearing, Aurora had an actual event. Something exploded in the skies and crashed down to Earth. And there was reportedly evidence to prove it. And yet, the crash barely made headlines in Texas. One reporter named S.E. Hayden wrote about the incident in the Dallas Morning News. The article appeared on page 5, buried in the middle of a massive spread on other airship sightings in the U.S. And some of the other accounts weren't the most reliable. For example, a man in a nearby town claimed he met the inhabitants of an aircraft. They touched down and introduced themselves as visitors from a secret nation in the North Pole. Sitting beside a half-dozen unbelievable stories like this, the paper subtly suggested that the Aurora crash was equally far-fetched. And this is where the story gets complicated. Because rather than present the papers with the evidence they had, the townspeople threw it all away. They apparently cleaned up all the metal from the spaceship and threw most of the debris into Judge Proctor's well, located underneath where the windmill used to be. As for the notebook with pages of writing in an unknown language, that never gets mentioned again in any reliable report after Hayden's initial article. It's as if it vanished from the collective memory. That left only the body of the alien pilot the definitive proof that an extraterrestrial visited Aurora. And Hayden's article ended with a simple explanation for what happened to it. He wrote, quote, The pilot's funeral will take place at noon tomorrow. The alien was apparently given a Christian burial, but the report didn't specify the location of the gravesite. 
With the apparent disposal and burial of those key pieces of evidence, the town of Aurora sowed the seeds for a legend that would come to define their city. Even though the story was initially buried under other alien fanfare, many in the area got curious about the incident. And for a few days following the reported crash, people around Texas contacted Aurora's nearest newspaper, the Dallas Morning News, with theories and explanations as to what happened. One theorist suggested the airships were real and that wealthy titans of industry like the Rockefellers built them. In their opinion, it was part of a plan to flee to Mexico in top-secret millionaire technology to avoid being prosecuted for their business monopolies. Another reporter proposed a simpler theory. He called the airship witnesses liars and said they were drunks stumbling home from the tavern late at night. He suggested they saw nothing more than the sputtering of the stars and confused them for spaceship lights. A Texas stamp company even tried to take credit for the incident. They claimed it was a real airship, one they commissioned to advertise their products. Of course, when they wrote in to say they were the masterminds, they included their company address in case anyone wanted to place an order. These explanations were entertaining, but they again showed how local news didn't take the report seriously. It seemed like the paper would print any theory, however unfounded or ridiculous. And these theories didn't remotely begin to explain the stories coming out of Aurora. For one, they didn't account for the sheer number of eyewitnesses who saw something explode over Judge Proctor's farm. Or that most of the witnesses were farmers working in the fields at dawn, not drunk stumbling home at night. And their description of the pilot didn't sound like any Rockefeller or a stamp salesman. With no adequate explanation and no new developments to keep people interested, the Aurora incident left the news in a matter of days. Even the larger phenomenon, the airship sightings across America, sputtered out by May of 1897, a few weeks after the Aurora crash. The world moved on, perhaps because within a few years, the sight of a low-flying craft became unexceptional. On December 17, 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright successfully flew the first motor-operated airplane. There's little information out there about what life was like in Aurora in the decades after the crash. The town was too small to appear in census records, making its dwindling population hard to track. And in 1901, its post office apparently closed, suggesting there weren't even enough people in Aurora to justify mail delivery. And yet, the story of Aurora's UFO experience lived on. An unknown citizen placed a jagged rock featuring a drawing of the spaceship atop the spot where townspeople claimed the body was buried. But nobody knows when the stone was placed, or whether it marks the real grave, or any grave at all. For years, the rock stood as the only memorial to commemorate a piece of the town's history and the pilot allegedly buried below. Then in 1945, the Oates family purchased the Proctor's farm, the original site of the airship crash, and the story got a second chapter. The Oates didn't know about the UFO explosion that reportedly happened a half century earlier. 
They just wanted some land and a place to settle down. But before long, Brawley Oates, the father of the family, noted some strange quirks about the farm that started with the well. Years before the Oates arrived, the well had fallen into disuse. But Brawley thought it would be nice if his family could use it as a water source, so he set out to restore it. With the help of other townspeople, including the local town marshal, Brawley cleared debris from the old well, and they found something strange down there. Over the course of their work, they pulled out large quantities of corroded metal. The town marshal suggested the shards might be from the windmill that once supposedly stood over the well. It's unclear whether the marshal mentioned the spaceship made of heavy aluminum and iron alloy that members of the town supposedly threw down there. But at some point around the well's restoration, the Oats learned the farmland they bought was unviable. Nothing would grow. Not even weeds. Then, a few years after moving in, the Oats family lost their daughter to a mysterious illness. Polio was running rampant in town at the time, but doctors apparently couldn't diagnose what was wrong with her. And despite only being in their late 40s, both Brawley and his wife developed severe arthritis. In Brawley's case, the arthritis caused his hands to grow tumors. Within a few years, his hands were nearly unusable. When he consulted doctors, they told him his condition may have been caused by radiation poisoning. Brawley was fed up. He felt like he could trace all of his misfortune of the past decade back to the well. His daughter's death, the arthritis, the barren lands. He was convinced that the water was irradiated. So he took decisive action. He sealed up the old well with a cement block and built a brick chicken coop to cover it. By the time he learned about the Aurora UFO legend, Brawling was confident. He and his family had been poisoned by an aircraft from outer space. As far as he was concerned, there was no reason to doubt it. An army official, a judge, dozens of reputable witnesses, and a reporter from the Dallas Morning News all corroborated the story. But what Brawley found was 50 years later, nobody in town could agree if the crash actually happened. Up next, the fight to uncover the truth. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now, back to the story. As the mystery of the 1897 UFO crash in Aurora, Texas faded into legend, the town's population started to fade away as well. Then, in 1945, the Oates family moved into the Proctor Farm, the original crash site. 
after drinking from the well where residents supposedly buried spaceship debris 50 years earlier, a series of misfortunes struck the family. Barren farmland, illness, and death. Brawley Oates felt certain irradiated alien metal made him and his family sick. But others were more skeptical. Perhaps none more so than historian Etta Peguis. Etta was born in 1887. She was 10 years old when the UFO reportedly crashed down in Aurora. But she didn't move to town until years later. But while she couldn't offer a first-hand account, she still disputed some of the core tenets of the story. For one, she claimed the Proctor Farm never had a windmill. For a book she wrote on the history of Aurora, she interviewed numerous residents of the area and none recalled there ever being one on Proctor's farm. Since the windmill played such a big role in every account, that seemed to prove the stories couldn't be true. Etta believed the whole event was made up by reporter S.E. Hayden to drum up business around town. Across Aurora, debate raged, but plenty of townspeople didn't want to get involved. Perhaps because they thought the story was so unbelievable, it wasn't worth entertaining. Or perhaps because they were so disturbed by their own memories of that day and feared that if they did speak up, they wouldn't be believed. But Brawley Oates felt comfortable openly disagreeing with Etta Peguis, and he went on to discover more evidence to support his case. On his property, he found four L-shaped metal pieces around the old well that could have formed the foundation for a windmill. It wasn't concrete proof, but it suggested some kind of structure once towered over the well, and that was good enough evidence for him. But his case was complicated by the fact that even the residents who agreed that the crash happened often disagreed on the details. For example, Charlie Stevens' father, Jim Stevens, was a rancher outside of Aurora back in 1897 and claimed to have seen the airship pass overhead before it crashed. Charlie heard his father recount the tale a lot as a kid. According to Charlie, his dad told him that he rode into town on horseback the day after the incident. He never saw a body of any kind. His father also claimed that Judge Proctor didn't have a windmill on his property, but rather a windlass, an old piece of technology used to lift heavy objects. But while locals argued over the specifics, there seemed to be a few undisputed elements of the story. Something crashed down from the sky that night in 1897 and wreaked havoc on the judge's property. As time passed, though, debates about what did and didn't happen became more and more theoretical. And by the late 1960s, there were only a few residents left in Aurora who were alive in 1897. History was disappearing fast. As the story faded from popular imagination, Aurora continued its descent into obscurity. It didn't even appear on most maps. It became a ghost town. From time to time, Texas newspapers would refer to the UFO incident. They'd frame it as a bit of odd news from the past, a piece of fun trivia from a town that wasn't long for this world. And in some respects, this is unusual in and of itself. The story of the Aurora UFO incident is the kind of lore that can forge a town's identity. 
Think of Roswell with its alien head street lamps and themed cafes drawing in tourists from all over the world for years. Or the Loch Ness Monster, where a fuzzy photograph turned an obscure Scottish lake into an internationally known landmark. And yet, the people of Aurora showed no desire to make the story a part of their history or identity. Plenty of residents even seemed embarrassed or ashamed of the legend if they didn't outright deny it happened. So the case went ignored until the spring of 1973, when a pair of UFO enthusiasts caught wind of the story. Hayden Hughes was an Oklahoma-based ufologist and researcher. While searching through old news clippings one day, he stumbled upon S.E. Hayden's original article about the crash. He reached out to some friends, and they decided to investigate. Hughes and a group of his peers descended on Aurora in search of evidence, and their presence drew the attention of Bill Case, a journalist for the Dallas Times-Herald who specialized in aviation stories. As a Dallas reporter, Bill Case had access to newspaper archives in town, and within a few days of hearing about Hayden Hughes' interest in the subject, he uncovered the original article for himself. That March, Bill took his first drive down to Aurora. He said he was determined to prove once and for all whether it is a hoax or the real thing. Alongside Hayden Hughes and a slew of other investigators, he searched for witnesses and physical evidence to back up the story. Their first stop was the old Proctor Farm, now owned by Brawley Oates. It was ground zero, the site of the original crash. And Bill had no idea the headache his arrival would cause. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with part two of the Aurora, Texas UFO incident. For more information on the Aurora incident, amongst the many sources we used, we found the Mutual UFO Network's report on the subject extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Thomas Dolan Gavitt, with writing assistance by Amber Hurley and Connor Sampson. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein, and research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. For many, Sunday is a special day spent with family. That makes it the perfect time to check out the Spotify original from ParCast, Malicious Moms. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Every Sunday in this ParCast collection, join me for an intimate look at the matriarchs who were far more criminal than caring. Warning, this isn't your mother's podcast. Follow Malicious Moms free and only on Spotify. Spotify.